Good Wednesday morning. The criminal case against Donald Trump now public. And the former president coming out swinging overnight. It is April 5th. This is today. Indictment unsealed. New details on the arrest and arraignment of the former president accused of faking business records to cover up multiple sex scandals. A scheme to buy and suppress negative information to help Mr. Trump's chance of winning the election. Trump pleading not guilty and in a primetime address lashing out again at the prosecution and the judge. I never thought anything like this could happen in America. Will the case ever go to trial and how will it impact the 2024 race? We'll have the latest and Mr. Trump's attorney with us live. Breaking overnight. Oh my God! Tornadoes rip through the Midwest. The risk of even more storms still unfolding this morning. Tens of millions on alert from Texas to the Northeast. Al's tracking it all. In the line of duty, the hero officers who took down the Nashville shooter sharing their story for the very first time. I really had no business being where I was. You can call it fate or God or whatever you want how they jumped into action within minutes to stop an even bigger tragedy. Out of the woods, Tiger set to tee off at the Masters, but could it be one of his final times competing at the iconic Augusta National? I, I don't know how many more I have in me. What the golf superstar is now saying about his future. All that plus real drama, mounting questions about the much-anticipated return of Yellowstone. Will Kevin Costner be back? An inside look at what's next for the wildly popular show. And countdown to coronation. Buckingham Palace releases the official invitation to the King's crowning event as new details emerge about the family's new roles, from Camilla's title to young Prince George. We'll take you live to London today, Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Today. It's a Wednesday morning. So nice to have you along with us. We got a lot to get to this morning. We are watching that series of storms posing a major threat to the Midwest and the South. It's happening again. Al has the forecast and what will surely be a busy day weather-wise in just a bit. But we're going to begin this morning with Donald Trump. He's back home in Florida where he addressed a room full of supporters last night. The former president wasting a little time tearing into the New York judge and district attorney who oversaw his arraignment yesterday. His speech coming at the end of an historic day, Trump pleading not guilty to 34 felony counts in a case related to alleged hush money payments. These images are really the only ones released from inside the courthouse. This morning, a lot of questions remain about the case against the former president, the potential trial, and of course, the impact on the next presidential race. We've got it all covered, our team of correspondents in place, and we'll have a live interview one-on-one with one of Donald Trump's attorneys just ahead. But let's get started with NBC's Garrett Hake. He's at the DA's office in lower Manhattan. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. Mr. Trump himself described the day as surreal, a former commander in chief becoming a criminal defendant in New York City, then heading back to Florida, where he fired back at the prosecutor going after him in this case and the judge overseeing it. 
For the first time in U.S. history, a former president is now a criminal defendant after pleading not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. Donald Trump rallying supporters at his Mar-a-Lago estate overnight, lashing out at both the district attorney. The criminal is the district attorney. And the judge presiding over the case. I have a Trump-hating judge with a Trump-hating wife and family. Those comments just hours after Judge Juan Mershon requested for both sides to, quote, refrain from making comments or engaging in conduct that has the potential to incite violence, create civil unrest, or jeopardize the safety or well-being of any individuals. While Mr. Trump was surrendering to authorities in Manhattan on Tuesday, a source with direct knowledge tells NBC News the former president was very somber, very quiet, and not his usual self. After he was processed, including fingerprinting, a stone-faced Mr. Trump entered the courtroom. Prosecutors say Mr. Trump's actions were part of a, quote, unlawful plan to identify and suppress negative information that could have undermined his 2016 campaign. These are felony crimes in New York State, no matter who you are. The DA's case centers around the accounting of hush money payments that Trump fixer turned critic Michael Cohen says he made to Stormy Daniels in 2016 on behalf of Mr. Trump to conceal an extramarital encounter, an affair the former president denies. The indictment also references what appear to be hush money payments to former Playboy playmate Karen McDougal, who alleged an affair with Mr. Trump in the early 2000s, and a $30,000 payment to a former Trump Tower doorman, who prosecutors allege claimed to have a story about a child Trump had out of wedlock. Both accusations Mr. Trump has also previously denied. Falsifying business records is normally a misdemeanor, but in what legal experts say could be a gamble, D.A. Bragg says the charges are a felony because they were intended to conceal other criminal conduct. The scheme violated New York election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. This will not be a fast process. The attorneys have months to work through discovery, with Judge Mershon tentatively scheduling the next hearing for early December and making clear that despite the cost, logistical and security concerns around such a hearing, he expects Mr. Trump to be there. Savannah. All right, Garrett, thank you. We're joined now by one of Mr. Trump's attorneys, Joe Tacopina. Mr. Tacopina, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Savannah. Well, now we've seen the indictment. We've seen the evidence that the, the prosecutor has assembled, or at least some of it. What was your first reaction to it? What was the former president's reaction? Well, I mean, where are the underlying charges? I mean, the indictment actually did not list what these underlying charges are. Understand, Savannah, these false business record entries, which are not even false, are misdemeanor counts, which would not be able to be brought at this point. The statute of limitations is long gone. The only way to make this a felony is to gobble together a couple of misdemeanors, the false business records and the attempt to cover up another crime. But the indictment doesn't even list what the other crime is. So it was a little disappointing, a little bit of a relief, quite frankly, to see that indictment. But... Um, you know, we're, we're ready to move. The, the DA said uh, we have had available to this office additional evidence that was not in the office's possession prior to my time here. So he's talking about some new evidence. Are you aware of what that might be? There's no new evidence. That's spin. I'd like to hear him articulate what that is, but there is no new evidence. I've, I've read the statement of facts. Um, it's exactly what we talked about. It's exactly what the United States Department of Justice, the federal prosecutors in Manhattan turned down years ago. It's exactly what the FEC, the Federal Election Committee, had said. There is no FEC violation here. It's exactly what Cy Vance, the former prosecutor in that office, turned down 
three years ago. There's no new evidence. This is just rehashing a zombie case. The FEC, by the way, just to be fair, took no action because it was paralyzed, essentially. Two yeah. Democratic commissioners wanted to move forward. Two Republicans didn't. Well, well, they were at an impasse, well, were they this, not? Savannah? I mean, it's not, yeah. a, it's not, they didn't weigh yeah, in no, on the merits. No, they were not. Well, well, no, they actually did. The, the chairman, Bradley Smith, has been on every news outlet saying there is no FEC violation. Let me say this to you. The FEC, for this to be a federal election law violation, what has to happen is the payment had to be made because it was done with personal funds, not like John Edwards or Hillary Clinton's campaign issue. This was done with personal funds. For it to be a violation of federal campaign law, it had to be done irrespective. The payment would have had to be made irrespective of the campaign. If the payment was made irrespective of the campaign, there's no FEC violation. Well, let me this ask you about that. This is not the campaign. Yeah, because you're saying, I understand the argument. You're saying, look, this can't be a camp, essentially a campaign contribution because he wanted to make this payment to make this story go away for his own reasons, Correct. right? Maybe so Melania doesn't find out or something like that. If that's the case, here's the thing that I've always wondered about this case. If this is all on the up and up, why did he pay Michael Cohen back in installments pursuant to a retainer agreement for legal services that prosecutors say did not exist? Michael Cohen invoiced him in installments. He invoiced him. He upped it from one thirty to four hundred plus thousand dollars. Yeah, so but with the, with the, with an, yeah, but with the, the knowledge way, of like Trump the Trump organization and the CFO. And I mean, it's like if it's all up and up, why doesn't he just write a check and be done with it? He did write a check. He wrote several checks. That's how that's how payments are made. It was a, a massive amount of money for a lawyer, $410,000, especially a lawyer who doesn't really do anything. And he wound up making those payments in installments. Savannah, that is not even alleged to be a crime or a problem. If he wanted to cover this up, he could have paid in cash, as Michael Cohen once suggested on a recording, which he, Donald Trump said, absolutely not. We need a record of this. Listen, yeah. so, the fact uh, of the matter is. And just to be clear, I just actually, ahead. this is, I'm just curious about this. Donald Trump acknowledges authorizing these payments. That is not a fact in dispute in this case. Of course, he eventually authorized the payments. What he also acknowledges that he didn't know about the settlement before um, he, he, he found okay. out about it at a later point. Understand this. Michael Cohen arranged that with Stormy Daniels' attorney. Michael Cohen took out a home equity loan to finance the, the, the settlement, and he signed the, the uh, settlement agreement. Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's name is not on that settlement agreement. Let me ask you this. The judge, uh, he said, I'm not going to issue a gag order. He said, I'm nothing even close to it. But right. then he said, I would encourage counsel on both sides. People, please speak to your witnesses. Not for you. Defense counsel, speak to your client, Donald Trump, and anybody else you need to, and remind them to refrain from making comments or engaging in conduct that, among other things, has the potential to jeopardize the safety or well-being of any individuals. Did you tell your client, did you do what the judge asked you to do and advise him to knock it off? President Trump heard the judge. Um, He's not done anything to try to incite violence. Clearly, yesterday was it, it was an insane scene outside, but there was no violence. Um, he didn't call for violence. Uh, he didn't call for anything. Well, so there was that. And the reason the judge didn't admonish him or post the gag order, um, because he didn't do anything that would have incited violence. That's the key, inciting violence, not protesting. Protesting is what we did in this country. You know that Boston Tea Party thing? Um, that It's fine, as long yeah. as there's no well, violence he, to it. And he didn't yeah, violence. I'm reading it. I'm, I was, it's a very particular, because last night Trump 
again after he heard these words. He says he talks about the Trump hating judge, mentions the judge's wife and sister, goes after yeah. the prosecutor. The judge said anything that could jeopardize the safety or well-being of any individuals. I mean, Donald Trump knows his followers how, are how, devout. Savannah, can you take those words and say that that well, jeopardized the welfare or safety of an individual? He's stating a fact, a fact that was written in the Daily Mail, the largest online publication in the world, where, where they uncovered the fact that some of the judge's family members work for uh, Vice President Harris. I mean, that's a relevant fact here. Mm -hmm. um, it's not an attack on the judge or certainly his family. No one is suggesting that anything should happen to the judge or his family. And President Trump's comments did not in any way, shape or form incite violence Let against ask, the judge or anyone else. As, he a lawyer, a fact. as a lawyer, I mean, this works for him politically. They've raised boatloads of cash. OK, it's in the short term, at least. Yeah. Would it be better for his legal case here as a lawyer if he stopped criticizing the judge and the judge's family? Do you wish, like if you could wave a magic wand, that he wouldn't do that? <laughs> Savannah, I am focused, laser focused on the in the case, like you just said, the legal case. I am not his PR consultant, I'm not his social media consultant. And when I took this case on to represent the president, I knew who the president was. He's someone who is vocal, um, he speaks his mind, Sometimes there's no filter, it's direct, but that's him. That's his methodology and his style, and it got him into the White House. Um, so it's not for me to tell him how to act. Of course, he's going to comply with the judge's rulings and the law, and, and he has, by the way. That's why the judge didn't come close to it and, uh, and, um, giving a gag order yesterday or even admonishing him. But I understand what you're saying, but there's no issue here. Yesterday was actually an incredibly peaceful day, um, insane but peaceful. And that, that was thanks to the Secret Service, NYPD, uh, Dennis Quirk's Court Officers Union. Uh, they were amazing. So it was really, um, for a day that was insane, they, it was pretty smooth. Final quick question, yes or no. If you can, Do you feel that you can get a fair jury in Manhattan? I feel that we're not going to get to a jury, Savannah. After seeing that indictment and knowing what the law is regarding federal election uh, campaigns, um, I don't think we're getting close to a jury. I think this case is going to fall on its merits, um, on legal challenges well before we get to a jury. If we get to a jury, I think any person, whether they're on the right or politically opposed to Donald Trump or in favor of him, is going to see this for what it is. It's weaponization of the legal system. It's, it's something that this country never did before and hopefully will never do again. Joe Tacopina, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Savannah. All right. So how could Mr. Trump's indictment impact the 2024 presidential race? NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welker, is right here with that part of the story. Hey, Kristen, good morning. Hi, Hoda. Good morning to you. Former President Trump has been defiant in the face of this indictment, rallying his allies and supporters around him. Still, one person close to him tells me this is a tough time for the former president and, quote, these next few days are going to hurt. From Mar-a-Lago to Washington and beyond, Republicans this morning galvanizing support for former President Trump, despite the nearly three dozen felony charges he's now facing. The former president signaling he plans to make the indictment a focal point in his bid for re-election. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. As he appeared before a judge in Manhattan, the Trump campaign turning the former president's legal challenges into a fundraising opportunity, even adding this fake mugshot T-shirt to the official campaign merchandise. Marjorie Taylor Greene! 
Conservative firebrand Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene drowned out by protesters after making the trek to New York to support Mr. Trump, while Cindy Hyde-Smith became the seventh Republican senator to endorse him for another term. Trump ally House Speaker Kevin McCarthy casting the charges as purely political. You know, it's really sad when you have different forms of justice. Some vocal critics of Mr. Trump also questioning the case against him. Senator Mitt Romney, who voted to impeach Mr. Trump twice and called him unfit for office, saying the Manhattan DA stretched to reach felony criminal charges in order to fit a political agenda. And even some potential 2024 rivals expressing concerns. This is a political prosecution. I think it will divide American ways that aren't good for our republic. And while some Democratic lawmakers celebrated the news, tweeting out hallelujah and karma, there was mostly a muted response from the White House. We are just not going to comment. We're not going to interfere. But Mr. Trump showing no signs of backing down. With a very dark cloud over our beloved country, I have no doubt, nevertheless, that we will make America great again. And prosecutors have asked the judge to set the next trial date for January, about a month before the Iowa caucuses, right as the GOP primary is heating up, you guys. Well, the stakes are high. Yep. Let's turn to Laura Jarrett, our legal analyst. You've heard our conversation with Joe Tacopina. Yeah. Laura, I mean, the, you, we've seen the indictment now. Yeah. We have more information about the legal theory underpinning the case. And now we're starting to see some of the arguments that will be marshaled on both sides. Yeah, and there's certainly many arguments that Trump's attorneys are going to be able to make to try to get this dismissed. It's interesting that Tacopina continues to make this argument that the funds were really there to protect his family from embarrassment, when now the DA is offering a mountain of evidence to suggest this really was about trying to bury bad stories before the election, uh, including this uh, conversations with Cohen, but not just Cohen, also the former publisher of the National Enquirer, David Pecker. He figures uh, intensely in all of this. But I still come back to that there are other arguments that they could try to marshal to try to get this dismissed, which I think you will likely see attacking actually the fact that the indictment itself doesn't spell out what the actual second crime was, which they need to bump it up to a felony. And there's also the question of whether there's an intent to defraud. It's a legal term of art. And this is there's a lot for the lawyers to sink their teeth into before this ever sees a trial. Yeah. So we'll see how it all develops. Laura, stand by. Don't move. <laughs> <laughs> Lots to cover there, Kristen. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, guys. Also, uh, breaking overnight, we got a new outbreak of severe weather. It's in the Midwest and the South uh, near Des Moines, Iowa, a rope-shaped tornado touched down yesterday as parts of the state saw quickly forming funnel clouds. A tornado also touched down near the Quad Cities. It's 100 mile an hour winds overturning semi-trucks. It ripped through buildings hours earlier, by the way, baseball sized hail battering areas from Illinois to Missouri. This stuff is not letting up. Hey, Al. Hey, guys. So here's the deal. Uh, we are looking right now at a line of showers and thunderstorms stretching south of Dallas all the way to Chicago, more than 800 miles. And right now we're starting to see tornado warnings pop up. These areas in pink, these are tornado watches just east of Dallas all the way to Paducah, then severe thunderstorm watches. But you can see between Peoria and Chicago, we've got some tornado warnings, tornado warnings also along the Missouri-Arkansas uh, border. So we're watching that 
as well. Very strong storms firing up. We've got this area, 62 million people at risk. Strong tornadoes possible, golf ball size hail, damaging wind gusts likely, even straight line winds. And this area here, this hatched area, this is where we could see EF2 or stronger tornadoes. We probably will see those tornado watches extended up to the north as this system starts to continue to move east. So here's the timing. Chicago, the strongest storms expected between noon, uh, 7 a.m. and noon. Uh, St. Louis, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Indianapolis, into the afternoon hours. Detroit, into the afternoon hours. And then uh, evening hours, Cleveland, 4 to 8. Look for those strong winds, localized flooding. Columbus, 3 to 9. Buffalo, 5 p.m. till midnight tonight, till 2 a.m. in Pittsburgh. And then tomorrow, this very strong line of thunderstorms comes through the I-95 corridor. Straight line winds may cause big, big problems. And heavy rain down to the south from Houston all the way up into Jackson. Locally, six inches of rain or more. Flooding is most likely in this region. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Still ahead, the coronation of King Charles, one month away. Invitations now being sent out. And a new photo of the royal couple, new details on the ceremony, the guest list, and a new title for one royal that really stands out. We've got a live report from Buckingham Palace. They were wearing royal blue. Yes, they were. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back now, 730. Okay, this is one of the year's most eagerly anticipated films. Uh. Are you dying? Six-year-old me wants to dive through the screen <laughs> and live in that world. Well, we got Margot Robbie. We got Ryan Gosling. Those dolls came to life. Look at that. That's crazy. It's like the Barbie dream house comes, on. comes to life. How about that? We got pop star. We're going to get us oh, all the deets. Okay. Yeah, that's going. That's trending, right? Yeah, yeah it big is. Time. Big time. Number one. Craig's on assignment this morning. If you're missing him, he'll be back tomorrow. We will begin this half hour with the countdown to the coronation of King Charles. One month to go. Buckingham Palace just released the invitation. And one detail in particular is really standing out. NBC's Kelly Cobiea joins us from London with more. Kelly, do tell. Yeah, that's right. Well, it has to do with the king's wife, Camilla. Queen consort Camilla will soon be referred to as Queen Camilla, crowned alongside King Charles May 6th at Westminster Abbey. This morning, with almost a month to go before Charles's coronation, a new portrait unveiled of the king and queen consort, and this first glimpse at the royal invitation, a hand-painted watercolor featuring flowers and an ancient figure from British folklore. Perhaps most surprising, that invite refers to King Charles's wife, 
simply as Queen Camilla. 20 years ago, people wouldn't have imagined that Camilla would now be being crowned next to King Charles. She won't be called the Queen Consort. She will be called Queen Camilla. She is having a crown put on her head. The King and Queen Consort choosing family and close friends as pages of honour to play a central role in the centuries-old ceremony at Westminster Abbey, including Charles's grandson and second in line to the throne, nine-year-old Prince George, the oldest son of Prince William and Princess Kate. Camilla's grandchildren will also take part. Traditionally, the children or grandchildren of the monarch haven't had a role in the coronation. Uh, Charles was simply an onlooker at his mother's coronation. The queen herself was simply an onlooker at her father's coronation. So it is quite a break with tradition. It's very touching and tells us rather a lot that this is, to use modern expression, a blended family. In a statement Tuesday, President Biden congratulating the king on his upcoming coronation. But the president won't be there in person for the event, saying First Lady Jill Biden looks forward to attending on behalf of the United States. The coronation will be much smaller than Queen Elizabeth's 70 years ago. More than 8,000 watched her crowned queen in Westminster Abbey back in 1953. The palace says 2,000 will be invited to see King Charles and Queen Camilla crowned. After a successful state visit to Germany last week, the king and queen consort celebrating their 18th wedding anniversary this Sunday. All right, there are a lot of the details being worked out, Kelly. So what about Harry and Meghan? Are they going to be at the coronation? Yeah, that's the big question, right? We know they were sent to save the date for the coronation. Presumably, the invitation will now follow, but they haven't yet said whether or not whether or not they'll attend. And we also still don't know whether their children, Prince Archie and Princess Lilibet, uh, have been invited alongside their parents. Uh, but we do now see these roles for uh, Prince George, at least a very big role for him in the coronation. And we understand that his siblings, Princess Charlotte, and Prince Louis, Kate and William's other two kids, may play a role as well, possibly in the procession. Those details haven't been released yet by Buckingham Palace, but Hoda and Savannah, as we get closer, we're going to get more and more details about the big day. All right. Thank you, Kelly. I love the idea of them sending a save the date. Can you imagine? You're <laughs> like, know, like, oh, my like, kid's got a birthday party. <laughs> oh, damn, conflicts. Um, <laughs> right, coming up, first-hand look at an historic Holy Week in Jerusalem, making the rare intersection of Easter, Passover, and Ramadan. We're going to show you how people of all faiths are coming together. And our pal Jacob Sobaroff is right here with the very real drama playing out behind the scenes at one of TV's most popular shows, Yellowstone, right after this. We are back, 741 in depth. Today, this morning, we are talking Yellowstone. Yeah, we are. Uh, there are some new questions surrounding the future of that wildly popular show. Uh, fans may have to wait a little bit, a little bit longer for the conclusion of season five. We've got NBC's Jacob Sobroff. He's here. He's got the story covered for us. What's up? What's up? Okay, buckle up, you guys. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. The hit Giddy series up. about a powerful and complicated family of ranchers continues to captivate viewers. But check this out. Now with possible reports of internal shakeups, many are wondering when the series is going to return and whether there will be any surprise exits by the cast. For nearly five years, the epic Dutton family drama has been drawing audiences in. Yellowstone, becoming one of the biggest hits on television. But now the show seems to be moving into uncharted territory with new questions about who will return to the series and when. The drama reportedly playing out behind the scenes. 
Over the weekend, the main cast, including Kevin Costner, who stars as patriarch John Dutton, along with show creator Taylor Sheridan, were noticeably absent during a scheduled appearance. A half an hour before the event was to start, they said, he's a no-show. Amid speculation about Costner's future on Yellowstone, a Paramount executive at the panel says he's very confident the 68-year-old will continue with the show. He's not saying how much he's going to be involved. Will he be starring on the show? Who knows? At this point, um, it's really anybody's guess. After Yellowstone's mid-season finale in January, new episodes of season five were supposed to start airing this summer, but production's reportedly yet to begin. Back in February, rumors first swirled about Costner's potential exit from the series. Sources telling Variety that the Golden Globe-winning actor had less availability and was having scheduling conflicts with the show. At the time, Paramount saying in a statement, Kevin Costner is a big part of Yellowstone, and we hope that's the case for a long time to come. Don't get voted off the island, you're written off it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's safe to say the foot's on the gas. Yep. And, and and we're not slowing down. Since its debut in 2018, Yellowstone's gained a massive following. With a record 12.1 million viewers tuning in for the show's latest season premiere in November, the Yellowstone universe quickly expanding, drawing in a who's who of Hollywood, like Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford in the latest prequel, 1923. Have you figured out the Dutton family tree? And can you explain it to all of us? Uh, <laughs> I've got a working knowledge of it. <laughs> along with Faith Hill and Tim McGraw in 1883, and now another newly announced spinoff in the works with Matthew McConaughey. I know how you feel. Still, fans say, no one will be able to replace Yellowstone's original star. All right, so here's the deal. We reached out to Paramount, as well as Kevin Costner and Taylor Sheridan's teams for comments. We haven't heard anything back yet. A Paramount executive at this weekend's panel says they're going to be announcing the next season soon. But meanwhile, there has already been a lot of hype surrounding the new spinoff with Matthew McConaughey. Some folks are even saying that if Costner doesn't return, maybe other main characters are going to migrate over to that new show. And the question is, will you keep watching? Yes, I will. I've watched the prequel, the sequel, the postquel, whatever you show. I'm there. You're the number one viewer. Uh, I am. Well, if you haven't seen the show, you can catch it. The first four seasons of Yellowstone on. Parent peacock. Oh, Peacock. <laughs> on our parent? Oh, my God. Oh. I just got fired. Oh. Oh. Peacock. Nice I watched them you. on Peacock. <laughs> me I too. Said you know what? Are you I getting ha- ready to leave? Me, Where are you going? I know. Yeah. Are you pulling a Costner? No, I think I just <laughs> got fired for screwing that up. But, no, I just want to say that I purchased <laughs> it's a and subscribed to Peacock. Subscribe to Peacock for the purpose of watching Yellowstone. Uh, Please subscribe. Thank you. Mr. Roker, take us away. Bye, Bye, guys. It was great working with you. Wow. Oh, wowzers. Wow. Uh, Severe storms making their way in through the midsection of the country. We're going to be watching this very closely. Right now, no planes going in or out of Chicago, so that's going to be a problem for the next several hours. Record highs down through the southeast, winter chill in the plains, and sunshine throughout much of the west. And that's your latest. Where'd you go? She's out. She's She's gone. She's What's up, girl? Who are you on the phone with? It will never happen again, I promise. I'm so sorry. Peacock. I love Peacock. There's so many shows. Poker Face. It's so good. She's still talking about Poker Face. You can do it, SG. All right, still ahead. Poker Face is good. We're looking back on the history of today and what this show means to us, our families, our viewers. And, guys, we get to celebrate something real special this morning. We're very excited. Coming up right after this. Savannah, all is forgiven. Come home.